Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you are doing great. I'm Pastor Jeremiah, the pastor of Student Ministries uh, here at Amplify, and uh, I'm excited about what God has for us today, excited about um, some of his words that I think he would have for us, and uh, so uh, thank you guys. And uh, so I'm just, I'm just looking forward to what God has. But here's what I hope. I hope that um, if you are here today, number one, you feel welcomed. If you are a guest with us today, I want to extend a special welcome to you. And uh, I'm so glad that you are here joining us. There's a lot of other things you can be doing, but you're here to hear from God. And, and so that's what we want today. Um, I do want to talk just for a moment. We're going to be in this kind of this prayer journey together as a church starting today. And so uh, we have the, um, we have a way for you. This is going to be available on social media. It's going to be available on our website and so on this afternoon. Um, but we have this 21 uh, day prayer challenge starting today. So if you don't know what a QR code is, it's fancy. It's pretty fancy. Uh, you can pull out your smartphone. You can aim it at this fancy little box right here, and there'll be something that should pop up on your camera. Um, so if you pull up your pull up your smartphone, pull out your camera, aim it at this thing, it should pop up there where you can actually go to the website and kind of um, you can save the website and so on. So I'm gonna give you a chance to do that. Uh, if you want to, you can get your phones out in church. Uh, some of you should be more excited about that than I think you are. So, uh, but if you want to do that, you can. Um, but this is a, just a chance for us to kind of walk through together prayers that we're going to pray together. As well, I'll also remind you, as Pastor Philip did, that um, we do have coming up these Saturdays of prayer from 9 to 11 on Saturdays, the next three Saturdays. Opportunity for you if you just want to come in. Um, you're just going to kind of come in, pray for a little bit. There's communion and so on. And uh, so just a chance for you to pray. And then you can kind of drift out. It's, you can kind kind of come any time between 9 and 11. So you don't have to come for all two hours. You just kind of come in, pray for a little bit about some, some specific things that we are praying for as a church, and then move on, okay? So how are you doing? Yeah, I, uh, 2021 is launched. It's been fun so far. It's been a good year. I saw a meme and it said, hey, uh, I've had the seven-day free trial of 2021. I want to cancel my subscription, please. <laughs> that was one of the funnier ones I've seen so far. Uh, so we're going to be talking about prayer today. We're going to be talking about a man of prayer, a, a prayer warrior named Daniel. If you uh, don't know who Daniel is, um, you've probably heard something about him, maybe. Uh, so he has a famous story, Daniel in the lion's den, where he's thrown in the pit of lions. And, uh, but he's a prayer warrior, and so he prays, and the lions just leave him alone. They don't do anything. These starving lions just leave him alone. And he gets pulled out the next morning. They're like, Daniel, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. What? And then this crazy story. So we're going to talk about Daniel, but we're going to start, okay, spend most of our day actually in Jeremiah. So Jeremiah 29, great book of the Bible. Amazing. What an amazing man, an amazing name. Man, such a good book. Uh, so this is Jeremiah 29. And uh, so I want to set this up just a little bit. So you have the people of Israel, the people of God. You had these, um, the Israelites or the Jewish people or the Hebrew people, known by many names. And um, they were the chosen people of God to bring his message to the world. And so they were set up as a country in the promised land. And they're following God. God is their king. He's their ruler. Um, prophets and leaders and judges would come along and kind of speak for God to the people. And the people would speak to them. And they'd speak to God on their the people's behalf. 
And so you had this. And then Israel starts looking around. Hopefully you've never started looking around. Israel started looking around. They're looking around going, everybody else has got a king. We want a king. We want to look like everybody else. We want to look like the rest of the world all around us. And so they asked for a king. And the, the leader at the time, who was a prophet and judge, his name was Samuel, he said, you don't want a king. Trust me, you don't want a king. This is not a good thing to ask for. No, we want a king. Everybody else has got a king. We want to look like everybody else. Everybody else has got that form of government. We want that form of government. And he goes, but you are being led by God. That's who you need to, no, 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 we want, we want. And so God said, hey, if that's what they want, I'm going to give them what they want. It's not what they need, but I'm going to give them what they want. And so King Saul comes. And so you had 490 years of kings. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And eventually you have this moment where God finally says, you have rejected me. You've walked away from me. I keep trying to call you back. You don't want to listen to anything I have to say. You no longer kind of really want to be the people of God. So I remove my hand of protection. And the Babylonians come in and the Bible says that they carry off the king all the rulers, a bunch of the politicians, but they also carry off so many other leaders of the day and carry them off to Babylon. And so Jeremiah is a prophet, and he's in this time. What a time to be alive, where he's like, bad things are coming. They're like, shut up, Jeremiah. If you look in the Bible, maybe that's my translation, but that's kind of what they're telling him the whole time. They're like, leave us alone. He's like, bad things are coming. Leave us alone. Nobody cares. And he keeps going on and on and on. And finally, like, he gets thrown into, like, a well, and he gets beat up and, like, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, I'm telling you. And finally this thing happens, and everybody's placed far away. And what happens is when they're placed far away, these false prophets that have been telling Jeremiah to be quiet and that everything's fine, everything looks good, everything's going great, they said, it's a temporary situation. You'll be back any moment now. Jeremiah's like, no, you won't. Which, of course, everybody loved that, <laughs> Right? And so he actually ends up writing this letter in chapter 29. He writes to those away from God's country in exile. So we're going to kind of walk through this letter that, um, that he wrote in the middle of the book of Jeremiah. It's this letter that he sent off. And so uh, let's start. Jeremiah 29, verse 1. These are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priests, the prophets, all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Keep going. God still speaks to those in trouble. This is kind of point number one. I want you to know something. In this life, you will have trouble. Is that true? Who here has ever been in trouble before? So, there's some of you who should be raising your hand. You're in trouble right now. All right? And we've all been in trouble in one way or another. There's all, we've all had problems. But one of the things I think you need to know straight off the bat is that when you feel lost, when you feel like I don't know what to do, when you feel like I don't know where I am, God knows your address. God knows right where you're at. And even when you, because so, sometimes problems are caused by others. Who's ever had problems caused by others? Ooh, those others. And if we're being real honest, this one, I won't get as many hands. Sometimes problems are caused by us. Right? <laughs> There's less hands on that one, right? We're like, no, no, it was their fault. 
When you're in trouble, whether it's your fault or someone else's fault, God knows right where you're at, and he speaks to those in trouble. Go on to the next verse. This was after King Jeconiah and the king, queen mother. That was a bunch of Bible college right there. Did you hear that? Smoothly done. The queen mother, the court officials, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. So it wasn't just the leaders and the politicians. I know, like, right in today's society, we wouldn't want to ship off all our politicians. Nobody would want that. So, um, but... It was also the craftsmen and the smiths. I want you to imagine for a minute America, all of a sudden, boom, all the factories are gone. What would happen to our culture? No new phones, no new cars. And we'll get real serious. No new stoves or refrigerators. Oh, they're gone. They've all been pulled into Babylon. Keep going. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisha, the son of Sephaniah, and it goes through, and it says, it was sent to Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, saying, we have this truth. We kind of already spoke to it. God still leads when chaos reigns. In the middle of a mess, where the kingdom is crumbling, and the people who have been dragged away, they know probably what's going on back home. And they probably have family and friends back home, and they know the society's got to be collapsing. All our leaders are here. And in the middle of that, God is still leading. God is still sending word to the people. Let's keep going. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles, whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Keep going. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Hmm. Keep going. Take wives and become the fathers and sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. This, there's next two points, I think, are where a lot of us, if I'm being real honest, including myself, struggle. The next point is this one. It says God still wants us to thrive in exile. When you have problems raging all around you, God still wants you to grow and thrive. But here's the thing. There was a group of prophets, false prophets in those days, and they're going, everybody, don't, don't plant roots. Don't worry about it. We're going home tomorrow. And Jeremiah has this, this word from God saying, no, you're going to be there in that difficult area for a while. There's people in this world that will say, hey, you got problems today? They'll be gone tomorrow. You believe in Jesus? Boom, all your problems washed away. Magic. But we have a God that's real. And it says sometimes when we're in difficult circumstances, I'm going to be real honest with you, you might be there for a little while. But in those circumstances, you can still grow in your faith. You can still grow. You can help your family grow. 
that's a tough truth, but it's truth. So when we're in circumstances, the question is not, God, get me out of here. That's the one we want to say, right? It's, God, what do I need to learn? Where do I need to grow? I trust your timing. This is what Jeremiah is reminding him. On to the next. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. This is the toughest prayer maybe you'll ever pray. It's this truth here. God still wants to redeem exile causers. We don't like that very much, if we're being real honest. You ever had somebody hurt you? Yeah, you've lived, right? Now, I, I, know, I know some of you won't believe this. I've been in ministry almost 15 years now, and uh, sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes. Because people are involved. Have you met people? Right? Now, everybody, everybody's a person, but there's people, right? That's different. And some people are very people-y. Let's just say it that way, right? Right? We've all experienced people. That's one of those, man, we've, ooh. It'd be like, man, this would be a great place to live if there wasn't people here. You gone to the store recently? You go to the store around Christmas time? There was a lot of people, peopling. <laughs> Did you try to buy Christmas lights? We went in like the spirit of the season, like beginning of December to Walmart, which is one of the peopliest places on earth. And we were trying to buy Christmas lights for our tree in our yard. And people were peopling. It was like this was the last bit of food remaining in the world. Because, like, a lot of the Christmas lights were already getting sold out. And, like, it was just like, yeah! I was like, they're, they're Christmas lights full of joy of the season. <laughs> you don't have joy. <laughs> you need to plug those things in right now. <laughs> right? It was vicious. And, like, you'd be waiting, kind of uh, trying to do the six-foot thing, which really means two people could cut you in line. Then I'd cough on them. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I did. I wanted to, but I didn't. Right? So when people are peopley, man, we don't like it. And in ministry, there's been times where people have gotten real peopley on me, and I don't like it. But there was, there was this one specific time. There's been, there's been several circumstances I could talk about. There's one specific time where I felt like I was called by God to do something very specific. And people said no. And they said no, and we need you to go. You can't do this thing. And when you feel like you're supposed to and are told no, you're hurt. And people hurt me and my family. And man, I'd like to say, you know, I tried to pray the prayer, God, I want to have a scarless heart, God, I want to, I want to stay, um, you know, 
to you, and I don't want to have this affect my ministry going forward. Can I be real honest with you? Have you ever been hurt? And you grabbed onto that hurt, and you started holding that hurt tighter and tighter. You ever been there? God, I, I want to uh, I, uh, release this to you. So I don't have it anymore. You ever done that? I have. Hey, Jeremiah, what's, uh, what's in your hand there? Uh, microphone? The, the other hand, Jeremiah, nothing. I don't got nothing, God. <laughs> Seriously, what's in your hand, Jeremiah? It, they really hurt me, though. It wasn't my fault. You ever had this argument with God? They hurt me. I forgive them, but I just don't want to be hurt again. I need you to let go of that. Okay. Here you go. <laughs> I need to let go of all of it. Okay. Ow. Ow. You ever done this? And then God told me something that wrecked my world. He said, Jeremiah, I need you to let go of it. I've heard that. And here's how I want you to let go of it. I want you to pray by name for that person, their spouse, and their kids. God, I pray that you would bring judgment upon that person. <laughs> it's not the prayer I want you to pray, Jeremiah. <laughs> May they get what they deserve, you know, and then. But there was some point in that he said, no, I want you to pray blessing and success upon their life. And kid with two degrees and pastor's kid, ministry for years. My dad was also a Bible college professor. I big brained this moment and went, I don't want to. <laughs> you ever been there? I don't want to. And God says, you will never have what I want you to have in this life until you do. And so I began to pray by name. And I still have seasons where if that hurt ever comes back, that's what I immediately go to. I pray for by name, for the spouse, for the kids. May they be blessed. May they find success. Because God still wants to redeem even the exile causers. Next verse. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst, your diviners, deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams which they dream. Next. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Keep going. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. These false prophets were saying, hey, it's going to be a quick thing. This is just a momentary thing. God's going to restore us. Don't even worry about it. 
And Jeremiah was like, listen, God's told me it's going to be 70 years. You may be there in that situation for a while. That broken thing that you found yourself in, there's not a quick exit. And sometimes, man, we hate hearing that, don't we? We're like, we don't want to hear nothing about that. We want to hear like, no, flowers will bloom tomorrow. But here's the truth. God, he goes and still gives tough truth. There's times when he's going to speak truth in your life and you're not going to like it. It's not going to match up with what you want. It's not going to match up maybe even with what you believe, but he still speaks tough truth. And he says, there are some situations that you're going to be in and you need to have faith that I will get you out of it, but you're going to be there for a while. But I want to step back just a moment. You can go on to that next one. 70 years. Why 70 years? So I told you that they had started this journey with the King Saul 490 years. Here's what you may or may not know, that in this thing, you know, we believe in the Sabbath. We believe that six days and then on the seventh day we're supposed to rest. Well, that's why we come to church. We rest. It's God's day. Well, in the country of Israel, that was true, but it was also true that they had a yearly system as well, where for six years you would work hard and all these kind of things, but on the seventh year, if the field had been in use for six years, on the seventh year, you were supposed to just let it rest. Every seven years, there was this like year of rest. And if anybody had been, had been sold into servitude or servanthood or whatever it may be, then at the end of that six years, everyone was free. So even if you had, even if you had gone into servanthood to somebody to pay off debts, it could only be for six years. There was this year of jubilee that was supposed to occur. Well, guess what happened when the kings began their reign? Guess what started getting skipped? Because your family owed taxes every year. And believe it or not, the government didn't take a year off from asking for taxes. Shocker. And so, why well, I, I have, there's, there's reasons, excuses. 490 years of skipping Sabbaths. If you take 490 years and you say how many jubilee years were skipped, you know how many were skipped? 70. God says if you're not going to let the land rest, if you're not going to let your country rest, I'll let it rest and everybody's taken away. The warning here is when you make excuses and you, I haven't spent as much time with God as I should. I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more, but I'll get to it. I'm busy. You don't understand. There's a lot of things going on. There's, I don't have a quiet plot in my, and God says, you need to rest. You know what I found myself doing? There's this pandemic thing going on. I don't know if you've heard about it. And I found myself resting more. 
Because there's a lot of places, especially the beginning, you couldn't go, right? And I was filling it up for a little bit, and God said, what are you doing? This is your chance to rest. So I spent more time with my kids. Spent more time getting to know God again. But let's be real honest, it shouldn't take a global pandemic to make us pause, should it? And God's tough truth says, you need to rest by your choice or you will rest by mine. Moving on. You've seen this verse probably. If not, this is an amazing verse. It says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. Or other versions say, plans to give you a, this, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a future and a hope. So here that God speaks tough truth and we've got hard prayers. We need to pray for those that hurt us and all these kind of things. But also hear this truth, that in exile, God still gives hope. That should be a cheer moment, right? In the middle of your problems and your circumstances, God still gives hope. You may have caused the problem. You may have had the, cause, the problem caused by someone else. But God to a group of people, this wasn't written to all of Israel, it was written to the exiles, the ones that had been kidnapped from their country, pulled to a different country, dropped in. They were given new names. They were given new clothing. They were told this is the food you're going to eat. You're going to have a new job. Ripped away from families, ripped away from everything else, dropped in and said, all right, you are now Babylonian. You are no longer who you were. You have a new identity. I don't want to predict this, but I'm guessing in this room, that is probably as bad a circumstance as anybody has in this room. And to that, Jeremiah writes this letter and has those words, I have a plan for you and a future and a hope. Next verse. Then you will call upon me and come to pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes. You ready for a great truth? It's this truth right here. God can still be found. I don't care if you've been kidnapped to a foreign country, given a new name, given a new identity, given new clothes, given food that you may or may not like. God can be found right there. Here's what we believe. We believe our God is omnipotent. He is everywhere. There is no place you can go where God is not. We also believe that he is omnipresent. He is present in all circumstances. He is present in all time. Omnipotent, he knows all. Omnipresent, he's everywhere. Not only is he in your circumstance, he beats you there. And after you get out, he'll still be there. 
He goes before us and comes after us and is with us. He can still be found. Next verse. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes. And it keeps going and says, I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Next. God can still restore and return. There is no circumstance beyond his control. The tough truth may be, it may not be in your timing. But my all-powerful God can restore and return any circumstance. Now, I told you at the very beginning we're going to talk about Daniel. Have you heard very much about Daniel? No. If you weren't paying attention, no, you've not. Here's why. If you go through the book of Daniel, you will see that he was one of the young royals. In, in, today's, in today's culture, it would be an influencer, right? He was one of them. And he was ripped away from his family, everything he knew, and he was deposited in Babylon. And while there, he was faithful to God, faithful in prayer. He didn't eat of some food that was like basically offered to other idols, and so he said, we, I can't eat of that. Let me just do bread and water. We, you can't do bread and water. You'll die. Or at least you'll be very weak. And he goes, I think my God can handle it. And so that's what he did. And he rose. And he was smarter and stronger and better than everybody else around him because God was with him. And so in this, he starts rising up into power. And so actually, this letter of Jeremiah's that was written to them, most likely because of the timing, it would have gone to Daniel first. He would have seen this letter first. And here's what we know about Daniel. We know he put all of these things that we listed, he put them into practice. He started praying prayers of blessing over the Babylonians. When a dream needed interpreted, he stood up and said, hey, I can do that. Well, actually, I can't do that. My God can do that. He gave glory to God. And so he interpreted dreams, and then, and then other things happened. You know, the, then you had, he said, hey, there's three others that I'm kind of training up. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want to lift them up also. And so as he became one of the number one people in the kingdom, he lifted these other three up with him. Well, then the king of that time sets up this big giant idol. Everybody needs to bow to it when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were coming by. Leaders in the kingdom not bowing because it's not God. Daniel had taught them. No. We speak truth. Why aren't you bowing? Not God. We believe in the one true God. But culture says, sorry, don't care. We respect you, king. They were respectful. They're thrown in the fire. Nothing happens. They're just walking around. Let us know when we can come out. Got any marshmallows? Okay, maybe that's not in, that's not in there. But like, they, they were fine. And there was a fourth walking in the fire with them. 
The king calls him out. He goes, you need, call him out, call him out. Why didn't you die? I told you. We believe in the one true God. So the king's like, Everybody that, anybody that makes that God mad, you're dead. He's <laughs> like, let's not mess with that God, right? So Daniel rises, and he seeks the blessing of the kingdom, even though he'd been pulled and ripped away. He prays. He keeps this. And so then that king dies. Son comes up. Son also, terrible person. More judgment comes. They ask Daniel, Daniel, uh, we had this writing on the hand wall thing. What does it mean? It means your kingdom is about ready to be destroyed. Thanks for being honest. They gave him a reward. That night, kingdom goes down. New kingdom starts up. This is Daniel walking through decades of like with the father collapse. Then the sun starts rising back up. That collapses. New kingdom takes over. Daniel stays who he is, seeks the good of the kingdom. He rises again till he's like number two in the whole kingdom. The people who were in power were like, we don't like that. We need to take this guy out. So they start doing research. You know what they find? Nothing that says he's too honorable a man to find anything bad about him. So the Bible says. The only thing we could maybe catch him on is that he loves God too much. And so they send a rule out. You can only pray to the king. Can't pray to your God. Daniel stays true to who he's supposed to be. He's still going to work. He's still trying to build up the kingdom, but he stays who he's supposed to be, a God follower. Through prayer, it's found out that he's still praying to the holy God. So they take him. The king's upset. He knows what a great man Daniel is, but he says, the law's the law. Throw him into the pit of lions. That's where that story comes in. Next day, Daniel, are you okay? I'm good. pulled out. He's like, hey, all you smart people that came with that law idea, why don't you try it? <sighs> Didn't work out as well for them. It's in the Bible. <laughs> we painted on the walls of our nurseries. I don't know. <laughs> and we find out in Daniel chapter 9, and it's something you can read, Daniel realizes that the 70 years is drawing close. And he even references the letter of Jeremiah and says, I've been waiting for this moment, 70 years of exile. He's now probably 85 or 90. And he prays a prayer of confession of sin on behalf of his nation because he wants to seek God with his whole heart, knowing that he will find God. I don't know about you. I've prayed prayers that are important. But do you have the faith to pray the same prayer for 70 years without seeing anything change, with actually looking like situations are getting worse? But you have faith. In my circumstances, I will work for God's glory here. 
but I will also carry hope and faith that God will restore and return. And we know that before he died, in his lifetime, he got to see the establishment of the foundation of the temple. Or at least hear about it. He got to see the workers sent back from Babylon. Those craftsmen that were taken away. Sent back to lay the foundation for worship of his God. I want you to bow your heads with me. I don't know what of these truths you need to hear. Maybe that it's you've been praying a prayer and you're not sure if God is listening. And you need to hear, keep going. Maybe in this room you have hurt that your hand is tightly clenched around and you need to hear, let it go, but also pray blessing upon those who hurt you. And in that moment, find release. You may be problems of your own creation. You may be in problems of someone else's creation. And you may not want to hear the tough truth of there's no quick fix for that. But I would pray that you would hear the truth. There is hope in that. Because we serve a God who beat you there. And we serve a God that knows your address in exile.